Welcome everybody to the Undisrupted Podcast. I'm Carl. Adam, you know the holidays are coming up and there's one thing that I wonder and this is uh, when I was a kid there was always that toy that other kids like really loved and like that's the most amazing thing and I could never figure out like why did it's like for me I would never I was never really into G.I. Joe and I know it was a big thing but uh, I was always a, I was a Transformer kid. Oh, yeah. So yes. So for you, Adam, what was something? Was there a toy that you saw? And then we'll br- we'll bring in our guest here in just a second. Was there a toy that you knew that like every like why are people buying this? Or was you are you just into all the trendy things back then? Well, you know what I, I think, <laughs> and this is one of those things that um, I don't know if it was it was pr- right after me, but it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted, but I thought it was kind of a crazy toy. Like the, that pogo ball, it was like a really hot item. It was like a little disc and it was like a ball on both ends and it was a looked stick. like Saturn. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like the pogo ball. It's like, who the heck wants to hop on a pogo ball? <laughs> it's like, like, that's too much work. Like, Somebody did. Because they obviously like, give me bought a bike it. all day. Like give give me a mongoose or a BMX. I'm happy. Ooh, it's a nice. ball. Skateboard, yes. That also. <laughs> well, uh, I like to I'm happy to invite our guest into the show, Brett Salakis. He's the international education expert. He's founder of Aussie Ed and the Walking Ed, and he's co-founder of this other thing called the Ed Poet Society. Interesting. And uh, <laughs> all the way from Sydney, Australia. Brett, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? G'day, James. How are we doing? I am uh, very happy to be joining you uh, on the other side of the world as we uh, enter into our nice, beautiful, warm summer and you enter your chilly winter times. Yes, yeah. yes. It's actually 40 degrees in Texas today. So let me uh, on that question, we just asked Brett, what about you? Was there a toy or was there a thing, an item that you're like, oh, I don't know why people are getting this or I'm past that? Or is there something you're just... Uh, I, I don't know. Do you know what? I loved my Commodore 64. Loved yes. Commodore 64. Loved the cartridges insanely jealous because I never had an Atari and everyone, all my mates had Atari, but I had my Commodore 64, loyal to the Commodore 64. Um, but I, I guess that was the, that was the toy for me. But you, you know what I had as a, a boy I loved? Those little, did you ever have those little um, plastic models and you'd, you'd put together like a, a Spitfire um, jet from World War II or you'd, oh, yeah, you'd put yeah. together like a little tank and had the big plastic sheet and you had to like wiggle out like a, yeah, one of the greatest joys I have uh, is that um, my two youngest boys have fallen in love with model making as well. Like my, my older children, not so much, but uh, I've seen this beautiful sort of um, cyclical resurgence of, of my, my younger two loving something that, that, that I loved as well. And it was, it was really cool to be able to um, share that with my dad. Uh, who helped me and he saw he saw all these tanks I said, look what the boys are made he goes oh i remember making them with you that, that was, was really awesome. really cool i just realized too, i think that's one of those cool things that's kind of come from like uh the pandemic also is we're starting to get to find out all these tactile things that we used to use and i know like you couldn't find a puzzle anywhere yeah. during the uh during the shutdown no puzzles uh board games Gone. so all these things the that people game. had kind of like stopped using and stopped doing they were you couldn't find them anywhere because everybody all of a sudden ran to start doing these quote unquote low tech, no tech, old school things. Yeah, yeah. Deck of cards. How much fun is a deck of cards? It's so many yeah. different games to play. 
I yes, my, my kids may or may not have discovered the art and love of poker with some poker chips uh, recently. <laughs> there's a good, there's some good math in there. Not that you two have ever played before uh, in, yeah. in, the, in the same room. Um, I, I, I forget, you know, I forgot, you know, I introduced you, but I didn't do a proper introduction. So we're going to try this over Zoom. I've never done this over Zoom. We'll see how it works. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Aussie. Oi. Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. I got it right that time. We've been working on that for about, for about four years, I think. <laughs> that was one of the best gifts I was ever able to give to you um, when we were visiting beautiful Kathy Hunt up in uh, Queensland that day. Yeah. And we were talking about that. We had that moment. I jumped up on stage and called you back and said, let's do it. Let's do it now. Yes. I, I tell did. you now, Adam. If ever you need to find, like if you're in an American airport or, or, or you need to, to locate an Australian TSA, if TSA were ever like looking, TSA is your, your security, right? Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're ever looking for an Australian, if you just yell Aussie, 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 <laughs> super quick, it, it's like like drilled into us from birth. You respond <laughs> with oi, oi, oi. So if you're just like looking for someone huge crowd, you need to find an Australian. You just yell that out and you just listen for where that beautiful oi, oi, oi echo comes back from. You zone in right on. So if you're ever looking for an Australian, Adam. <laughs> we have all, see, we come, this podcast isn't like any other podcast. We come with tech stuff. We come with international flavor. I mean, <laughs> think about the things that you've been able to learn so far. And we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes. Cultural gift, cross-cultural <laughs> yes. sharing. So I, you know, I usually start out with a fun question. I don't know that I need to, but I'm going to go and add this because I, since we're already on the, the, the cultural path, um, we always start our guests with like a random off-the-wall question too. So my one for you is, how dangerous is the Australian outback? And have you ever actually met Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> Look, it's not dangerous at all. But if you came here, you, you wouldn't last a minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm from Texas, man. Come on now. <laughs> Have you seen the size of those spiders in Australia? <laughs> yes. you know, one of my, two, my two cool, two cool Australian facts are two, two cool things I know. We have of the 20 most venomous snakes in the world, 18 of them are from Australia. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and of all the places in the world that you could, uh, that you could like uh, build a city, Sydney is built there's a on on the location of the spider that is the deadliest, most venomous spider in the in, in the entire world. The, the most venomous spider in the entire world. It's a big old world spider too. It's like a big big sort of chunky chunky little fella, and uh, he's bounded by the, these geographic boundaries of the of the the Blue Mountains and the and the the rivers sort of to the north and south of of Sydney, and he actually is called the Sydney funnel web spider. We built our city. Right on. Literally, exactly on the geographic bounds of the most venomous spider in the entire world, the Sydney funnel web spider. That's why Australians it's are so crazy. tough. They're so tough, aye, man. Aye, aye. <laughs> <Being> tough, <laughs> being tough. But you know what? Having said that, as much as everything can kill you, you hardly ever see it. So, like, uh, you're pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like it's a virus that's yeah. ravaging the country or anything. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. we're on the topic of viruses and things that'll kill you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know you guys are on a different schedule uh, over there uh, than we are here in the States. But um, how has uh, COVID um, impacted what you've been doing over there? Because uh, we, we've had some conversations previously about how you've been able to do some things virtually or whatever. So, you know, 
have you been able to modify what you've been able to do based on how COVID has impacted teaching? Yeah, yeah. well, you're spot on. Like, uh, because of the the difference, we we have our school year almost more of a a calendar year. So we start after Australia Day, uh, January 26th. (laughs) Uh, We go back to school January 27th. And so basically we start school in, in January and we, we go, we have four 10 week terms, usually roughly 10 week terms. Um, depends on where the Easter break comes in, but uh, uh, pretty much run down into to late, late December. Then we have our summer break uh, over last couple of weeks of December and, and back to Australia day again. So we have a geographic calendar year. Now, when you look at when sort of COVID started to hit, it, it hit in that early part of the year. So we had only been at back at school for a few weeks. So it was quite um, quite a challenge, particularly for your, your younger students, your kindergarten students that, that maybe hadn't had that socialization that mm-hmm. really had their head around what school is. So, so suddenly they were forced into a, a remote sort of um, uh, learning environment without, without having the, the fundamentals of how school works. So that was really challenging, very challenging for the younger ones. And, and probably... Uh, one of the real serious things that we, we, we did have to overcome here, Australia is a big country. You know, we're, we're a little country, um, sorry, we're a little country population-wise, so about like 24 million. But geographically, like if you, if you look at square kilometres or square miles, mm-hmm. um, we're about the same size as the USA. So if you, if you think of, effectively, if you think of like the city of New York or, or, or something that's about 20 million in the state of New York, I, I don't know, something that has about 20-ish million people, right. spread that out over the entire, uh, you know, American you know, USA boundary, we're, we're very dispersed mm-hmm. and we have big deserts in the middle. Like the, we, we really cling to, to the, the coastal edges. So there's a, there's a term I want to I share with you that's very much... Um, defines a lot of the experiences in Australia and that's called the, the tyranny of distance. We are away from each other. We, we have a lot of issues, logistical issues with, with, with freight, with shipping. Amazon only came to Australia a few years ago because, you know, we're, we're spread out. So that, that tyranny of distance, that, that really being away from, you know, great distances between the cities uh, is very, very challenging. And then when, if you look at the, the towns and the regional towns that might be in, in remote settings. It's this huge big distance and, and there might not be a large metropolitan base nearby. So suddenly you're talking about all sorts of issues where they don't have the infrastructure. They certainly don't have the technological infrastructure to be able to get um, like your, a good strong Wi-Fi signal and all that sort of stuff where the, the school might be hardwired, but the home environment might mm. be really difficult. So we had a lot of issues um, uh, connecting there sort of remotely with those more regional sort of towns. And, and that impacted, uh, I must say, um, unfairly on those people who are in those regional remote sort of settings and, and particularly the Indigenous population, which has a higher percentage in those remote um, scenarios. Um, it, it's so funny because, you know, we are a half world away and while we don't have those same distances. And it's, it's so funny, I mean, you've mentioned the, uh, the size of Australia, but the way we look at maps and globes, if you ask American, they're like, oh yeah, Australia's probably the size of Texas. You know, that I means just, <laughs> you, know, you know, we have no concept it. of anything other than the, the states. But you mentioned that tyranny of distance. 
and we, while we don't have the deserts and those things separating uh, a lot of our school districts, we still have those same issues here uh, where there are, so, there are parts of our, our, our various school systems where some, I know for me, there's parts where there's like swamplands or country fields where this, the cellular providers, it doesn't benefit them to put a tower up there or they're not gonna run the, the fiber out that way because why are they gonna run it for three homes? So, yeah, exactly. you, know, yeah. you know, those are those things. I must admit, Adam, like uh, when I first became sort of a, a, a connected educator and started tapping into uh, the, I suppose, experience, the more global experience, I, I thought that we're all unique. And I thought that, you know, each school has such a unique, you've, 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 we constantly talk about trying to adapt what we do for the individual students in, 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 our, in our care. And that's very, very important. But when you look from a global sort of a holistic uh, experience, there, there is similarities with the challenges that we mm -hmm. that we uh, all, all all try to overcome. We're we're, we're all trying to get um, you know greater efficiency with uh, increasing learning and increasing impact of what we do with our students. We're we're all trying to be able to engage with the the parent body and and, and communicate more effectively. Mm -hmm. We've all got various pressures from our systems, whether that be independent system or, or, or government run systems. And, and, and whilst those pressures might be unique to the circumstances from a holistic um, approach, we're, we're dealing with the, the same kind of pain points. Yeah. And I think it, you, you come to us, I mean, from the future, literally, I mean, cause it's tomorrow there, but um, also <laughs> I think in some ways, because you guys handled this differently. I mean, what were some things, that you think that schools picked up there where, that you think that we should continue to kind of utilize in the future, even when the pandemic is over. And I mean, I know that you're saying it's celebrated down in Victoria, the state below you, not having it anymore, but like, so as we, if we, as we get out of this, hopefully in the next few months, what do you think are some things that schools should keep or maintain that we learned over this time? Well, do you, do you know what? Like, I, I think um, there's been a seismic shift in, in um, professional learning, a seismic shift in the way that we, we deliver curriculum, if we think of it as curriculum delivery. And particularly because Australia's economy, if I, if I, if I want to draw a metaphor, Australia's economy is very strongly tied to, to China. Uh, in, and in the early parts of the pandemic, there was great concerns about like the um, uh, supply chain being disrupted. And, and I think we all experienced like shortage of toilet paper and shortages yeah. of, of pasta and all, and all sorts of things, right? Like, so we had this, this breakdown in supply chain. And particularly because uh, a lot of companies can have things manufactured so cheaply and so effectively in China, they became over-reliant on the supply chain of have it made in China, shipped here for low cost, and then distribute to, to my consumer base. Um, and, and when that, that one over-reliance on that one method sort of broke, when they had that break, they had no other way to be flexible to, mm -hmm. to keep that supply chain going. So I started thinking about that as what lesson can we get from that sort of corporate business experience of disruption to the, 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 the supply chain. Uh, if we look at curriculum delivery as, as, as the, del the supply chain of curriculum, the, the delivery of the curriculum, if we have been over-reliant on one methodology, so if we were only talking about face-to-face -face teaching and we were only dealing with one way, uh, and then suddenly we had a break in that, in that way of delivering curriculum, then that supply chain's broken and we can't deliver effective curriculum. So just like companies now have to diversify their supply chain, 
They might have a lot coming in from China, but they've got locally manufactured products and they're sourcing from a few different things. So if something disrupts the supply chain, they can dial down on one uh, area and dial up on another. I think we as educators need to have the same sort of thing. We've had this huge upskill in various technologies, huge upskill in being able to use different pedagogies. So instead of just having that one face-to-face -face methodology, if we have two, three, four different strategies of the way that we deliver curriculum, if there is a disruption, if the internet goes down, we dial up the, we dial up the other way. If we have a break in face-to-face, -face, we'll dial up the, the remote. So I think the, the more diversified we can have our delivery of curriculum, the more resilient we are to any potential fluctuations in, in um, that, that, that curriculum supply chain in the future. Yeah, we, we definitely came over reliant on it. I think that here in the States, they've been trying for a long time to have what are, we call snow days or e-learning days, you know, where you're, you know, you have the, the weather is bad. And so now we're going to try for one day and do this fun little experiment. And I, and I think this has become an e, a snow day that's lasted, you know, months here. Um, and you're right. It just, it just exposed a lot of things that we become overly reliant on, namely face-to-face -face teaching and learning. I still hear parents complaining, like, when are we going to go back to real school? And I was like, that's just traditional school in your head. That yeah. doesn't mean that you can't still learn at home and you can't still, I know, I know what they're talking about, but I feel like that's kind of dismissive of saying that you, they're basically saying you can't learn remotely. And I think that's, that's an untruth of anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's so good. You know, uh, one thing uh, I took from that is the toilet paper shortage was worldwide. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just true. here in the state. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> All right, so um, one thing this season of our of our podcast, we've really been focusing in on on uh, the equity issues that 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 we're facing. I mean, this this is one of those things that, in addition to dealing with the, the global pandemic, uh, we also saw a sudden social awareness awakening, if you will, that didn't just happen here in the states. It happened. Uh, it's been happening everywhere. Uh, different groups have been very vocal, and as you mentioned earlier about the uh, the tyranny of distance. So you also have these folks that have been disconnected, if you will, uh, from the digital world. So what are some strategies and things that you could probably share from your perspective on how you've been working to bridge the equity gap, uh, whether it is with connectivity or as we call it, like also like our homework gap where students don't have the connectivity and being able to do things or uh, gender equity, you know, in any of those spaces that you've been able to touch in your uh, position? Yeah, well, look, what, one of the really cool things uh, that is, a, is one of the positive consequences um, of, of dealing with the, the COVID scenario, and I imagine it's quite similar to some of the solutions that you've needed to come up with, is that we have realized that there are some students who, who don't have appropriate devices or don't have access to devices. And there are people who in their homes uh, don't have adequate internet infrastructure. So uh, one of the really big things that our, our premier, so the states here run, run the education, have the responsibility for education. So the, the premiers, we, we, it's actually been quite good from a political perspective. They now have a, a, a national council that, that meets nice. quite regularly. So all the, the heads of the states, which I guess you guys, the equivalent would be the governor. Mm -hmm. um, so the, all the governors get together with the prime minister. Um, and uh, so the premiers, what well, we call them premiers, the premiers get together with the prime minister. So they uh, make flat agreements that, that can go, um, you know, nationwide. So uh, we're, we're all getting sort of the, 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 the best deal sort of possible. 
nice. uh, and states that are less affected can do some of the heavier lifting and states that, that aren't you know you know they can they, they can tune it to to meet the needs and there was a very early on a, a call to make sure that um, the students, particularly in their final years of study, weren't going to be um, negatively impacted on on the um, uh, by, by the by the remote learning scenario. So uh, we had devices going out to schools that then principals and 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 schools were able to give to individual students and and the Wi-Fi dongles. So dongles. So dongles and and um, devices that were going to people particularly targeted at, at first with those those older students who, who were in mm -hmm. their final years of study and then, and then sort of uh, uh, flowed down so that mitigated some of the risk of people not being able to have access but that's not the solution just giving someone a device doesn't mean they automatically know how to use the internet right so um, I, I wrote a blog just recently, and actually, I think I sent it to you, Carl. Like, I, I wrote um, a thing called, uh, you know, the COVID response um, is not field of dreams. You are not Kevin Costner, and yes. it's not field of dreams. <laughs> just because you build it does not mean people are going to come and learn. Just because you put it in there. So it, it's, it's not. It, it doesn't work that way. Just because you set up the infrastructure, just because you, you switch on Zoom, you, know, you enable Teams, you give internet access that it doesn't actually mean that suddenly people are going to learn. So um, there needs to be that, that, that dedicated strategy, that, that professional learning um, upswing. There needs to be um, an, a, uh, not so much a um, let's forget what we used to do, but a, an adoption of traditional pedagogies to match the, the new uh, platform of delivery. I'd like that. Yeah, you and that's... That's one of those things where I look at it, I was talking with our curriculum folks the other day, and I'm like, okay, are we thriving or surviving? Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, let's be honest, uh, not all school systems, you know, mine, we've been great, but other school systems yeah. weren't really knocking it out the park face-to-face -face when before this whole thing hit. You know, we still had students that were struggling to meet state standards and falling behind when we had them all in the building together. Now we've added the this whole virtual thing going on and we put these tools out there but you know are we really successfully reaching these kids and moving them where they need to be yeah yeah and i think i think you hit a point okay i was gonna say real quick though i mean just to go back to your field of dreams analogy i really think in a lot of ways the premieres had to you know go the distance to really ease their pain um and <laughs> <laughs> just they did a good job of it. I mean I think I I like a lot of the things that were coming out of there and I like the story you shared too. I'll, I'll make sure we sh we link to it in the show notes. But that's a great that was a great analogy and I think it ties to a lot of the things that we're talking about about you know is what did this bring to light? What did this shed light on in terms of things that we were already doing probably extremely poorly but now parents now have some extra insight in that and say wow it's just a digital worksheet. We're like yes, that's what we need to fix, right? <laughs> Not that those are all bad, but mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I guess like there's there's opportunity in crisis as well. Like, I mean, that's that. I mean, I, I think JFK actually used that in one of his famous speeches. And, and, and we know that that's, a, that's an old Chinese proverb. It's actually a, a Chinese character. The, the character in, in Chinese for crisis is the same as opportunity, right? So with mm -hmm. all of these challenges, there are, there are opportunities to, to excel and learn and do things differently. So there is, yes, you know, remote learning um, and, and the whole COVID scenario has 
has um, prompted a big problem that we've had to solve. But from that problem, there's been a huge upswing in uh, professional learning from, from teachers. So, you know, the, the three of us have spoken to you for many years now about like the use of ed tech and the leveraging technology. And I know we're, we're, we're three passionate people and been playing in this, um, this space for some time. But instead of now being on the vanguard, I think there's been a huge percentage of people who have now actually uh, had that those survival skills, like you said, Adam. Like they've they've got up, they they know enough now to use. So it's incumbent on on I guess us uh, uh, more experienced people who've been playing in the space to say, well, do you know what? It's not just actually survival. There's actually rich pedagogy yeah. and deep learning that 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 you can do with this stuff. It's it's not just the digital worksheet. It's not just delivering a face-to-face -face lesson, but I, I Zoom with you, there's, there's so much more possible. Yeah, you, you, uh, you touch on a lot of things there that kind of ring true and just, and I know you have a lot of other passions too. I mean, I know you, you're passionate about poetry. You and I have gotten connected with that over the years. I'm not gonna make you recite anything right now because I didn't prepare you for that, but you're passionate about something else that I'm curious about and it's the digital escape room. You've talked to, I've seen a lot of presentations you've done out there about it. So give us like our listeners, just like a one, two minute, like what, what, what is it about the digital escape room? What, you know, give us kind of what it is and then what is it, what does it really draw out in terms of that, that pedagogy and that challenge? Yeah. Well, do you know what? I've been using them for a little while and I've had them out there and, and, and been sharing it. Uh, but it was really in this remote learning setting that it, it, it came to the fore. I think it's probably um, from a, a technique, from a, a pedagogical sort of a technique. It, it, it's probably one of the strongest, uh, uh, tools or methodologies you can you can employ. So effectively, you just use something like a OneNote or or any any file that you can actually lock a a, a password on. So any anything that you can put a password on and password protect, uh, you can use this this uh, digital escape room sort of concept. Uh, basically, you have a series of lessons. It, it can be a short. It can be a short one one off lesson or. I've done them with an entire term, like a 10 week program. So you, you, you pick your, your, your length of time that you want to use. You then select the learning activities uh, and you can control the pace at which the students move through the activities and you can control the accuracy of the work that they're doing. So uh, in effect, I might have say, for example, a, a OneNote and I've got a number of tabs and in each tab I have, I have password protected each tab. So, Students need to complete the first challenge. And it might be a short challenge or it might be a longer challenge. Uh, and, and they will do that. And then they will uh, actually grab the, the answer from that, that, that task. And that, that, that answer will be the password for the next, for the next um, uh, piece ah, okay. of work. So they, they move through the work. So you might have, if you have, a, say, for example, a simple way of doing this, you might have a, a, a YouTube clip that they share or you might record yourself talking you put that in there you have a number of questions and maybe the first letter from each answer i see you've got five or six answers the first letter from each answer that could be the password for for the next bit so you can go through and, and do simple things like that so it so it could be self-paced and, and, and students can move through it but here's where we can get that deeper pedagogy if i've got say uh a task that is more meaty and a, a task that is, is, is deeper and a little bit richer and pardon me, re relies on a little bit more um, uh, depth and skill and interpretation. It's not just a quick answer. Mm -hmm. it, might be, it might be create a, 
uh, might be create a, a mini documentary, it might be write a written response. It, it could be anything. The student could go away, work on that, email it to you. You get to inspect it and, and say, well, you know what? This is not up to scratch. I want you to work on this section, this section, this section. You send it back to the child. Uh, you, you can put, you know, annotations and, and, and help. And then they've, they've got to actually go back and go, oh, I, I can't finish this task yet because the teacher's not going to give me the password until I've actually Ooh, met yes. and delivered the quality of the product that I want. So you've got quality assurance. So not only do you have this self-paced sort of uh, work, but you're actually putting in quality assurance steps. So, so you can look at it and go, you know what, actually, I'm sorry, but this was, you, you've knocked this up in five minutes. I'm not accepting it. Go back. I want, I want um, you to explain why here. I want you to have a diagram here. You need to annotate this. And then when they come back to you and it's an acceptable quality, then you can give them the password that unlocks the next, um, the, the next task. So students have agency because they're able to move through it in a pace they want, particularly if they're having to share a device with a, a sibling. Uh, you know, they might not all be able to be on the same time. So they can access the device when they, they want to access the device. Um, but you actually also have that, 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 um, that ability to check in and make sure that the quality of work is at that high standard that you have always accepted, whether it's remote or face-to-face -face or in the school environment or at home, we've got these high standards and you are going to make sure that the student's work is at that high standard. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that idea that we, we've seen the little 45-minute breakout EDU is the big thing here. You know, and that's, but you're taking that on kind of onto the next level and saying like, let's go even deeper than just that 45 minutes. Let's make it into yeah. quality, quality control, but also that student agency piece, which is huge. Yeah, yeah I can even yeah, see yeah. like adding like partners to that. So to get the password, oh, yeah. I get part of the password. I have to find somebody else. So I got to work with Carl and I got to work with Brett. And based on what y'all get been able to get, we then have to solve out. We all have a piece of that password. <laughs> Yeah. There's a and lot of flexibility to incorporate group work. There's, there's lots of flexibility in that. And the best part is, um, whilst the, the, the students, it, it's in a way that the students are actually able to manage their own time, like I said, agency. But the best part is we can insist on quality learning. Um, and, and that's the real fear of a remote learning scenario is that maybe the learning won't be of the same quality as, as perhaps previous well, do you know what? You do it this way, you're guaranteeing it's it's at the standard that you exactly want it to be at. That's awesome. So like what one of the things that we ask every guest when they come in on this podcast, um, undisrupted, you yes. can download at all the streaming services. We want to make sure that each guest kind of gets a chance to give all the listeners out there uh, a bit of advice, something that can keep them undisrupted in their life. So what you got for us? Wow. Okay. Something that can keep you undisrupted. Well, do you know what? Um, Carl, Carl hinted at a few things like, um, yes, I, I do love my poetry and, and I have started something um, called the walking ed. And, one of the things that we know in a disruption sort of life, being able to do regular exercise is, is so healthy for body and, and, and for mind. Um, and, and that certainly has been one of the things that um, I've tried to cling to. Um, uh, a mutual friend that we all have, Matt Joseph and I, um, we sort of started, uh, we sort of ha having this conversation and, and I actually called him one day. I think he's in, Matt's in Boston, I think. Yeah, he's Boston, yeah. Yeah. Been, been on the and, podcast. And I, I gave him a, 
Yeah, I gave him a I gave him a call whilst I was walking one day, and we were just having a yarn. And uh, I, I like you know punny names, uh, and I said, you know what, we should do something called the Walking Ed. And then I'd send out a tweet from the Walking Ed. And later that day, there was there was ten, twenty, thirty tweets. People had jumped on the hashtag immediately, uh, and then I think everyone was just craving being able to. Um, you know, interact and, and, and be healthy and, and get out there. Well, we, we can't get out there in our normal way, but to um, to be able to do that. I mean, selfishly, I began selfishly. Uh, Carl, you taught me. I've got a body of a of a retired nose tackle, right? That's right. <laughs> you could play. You play football a nose, here. Yeah. A nose tackle who, um, who's let himself go. That's that's pretty much my. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> But I, I, you know, in rugby, I played probably the equivalent position, a, a prop forward and particularly a tight head prop forward. So it's basically the same body shape, I would imagine, as a nose tackle. And uh, it was in, in a learning from home uh, environment. It was very, very important for me to actually make sure I was keeping on moving. So it was great incentive and it was good accountability as well to, to know that with other people there, uh, I, I had to had to share. I love that connection. I think that's something important too. So listeners out there, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself, getting out and just having a walk uh, or a walkabout, um, if you will, uh, just getting out there and doing that. And just, I think that's important for, for us to, to listen and learn from as well. So let me ask you this. As we wrap up here, I want to say thanks for joining us, Brett, but I want you also to plug, give us a little bit, plug yourself. Tell us, where can we find you? Can we find your great work? What are some things you're doing out there? Um, you mentioned the walking ed hashtag is one place to keep an eye out for you. Where else can we find you? Yeah, look, uh, on, on Twitter at, at uh, Mr. Salakas, S-A-L-A-K-A-S, that's me, or salakas.live is my, my website. Um, but yeah, the, the hashtag The Walking Ed, or probably the way I'm most known is, is, um, is uh, with uh, Aussie Ed, hashtag Aussie Ed, Aussie E-D. So look, happy, anyone who's interested in anything that I've said, if you want to um, give a call out and ask a few questions, feel free to reach out. Jump in on that Aussie Ed chat. It does happen here on the weekends uh, in the States, but it is a great chat. I've been on a couple of them. Uh, amazing conversations taking place over there. A lot to learn from. So thank you for joining us, Brett. And for all of our listeners out there, be sure you subscribe and give us a review. You never know, we might even have it on a future show uh, here coming up. Um, this has been the Undisrupted Podcast brought to you by Future Ready Schools. He's Adam, and you can follow him at AskAdam3 on the Twitters. And he's Carl, and you can follow him at Mr. Hooker. And remember, we are better together. And we are better undisrupted. Undisrupted. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Amazon Web Services.